The two biggest political races in Florida were called over the weekend, nearly two weeks after Election Day. Yesterday, Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson conceded to Republican Rick Scott in the Senate race. And on Saturday, Democrat Andrew Gillum conceded to Republican Ron DeSantis in the governor's race. But what about how the elections were handled? Florida has a history of ballot irregularities. If you remember the presidential election recount there in 2000, it is an important battleground state and has some serious work to do to improve its voting system before 2020. Joining us now is Edward Foley, director of the election law program at Moritz College of Law at Ohio State University. Professor, welcome. Good to be with you. So what were the biggest problems in Florida as you see them? Well, partisanship. You had partisanship at the local level, at the state level, and it's hard for voters to trust the system if they think uh, the people in charge are rooting for one team or the other. I mean, there were other problems. There was infrastructure issues on the ground. You had old machines that didn't work properly, that overheated during the recount. Hmm. You had a uh, process for verifying absentee votes that, again, is antiquated given the way signatures work in American society. But I would say the biggest issue is how we run competitive elections. You want elections to be competitive in a democracy. Um, both parties are entitled to fight hard to win. But in any competitive situation, you need umpires or referees that aren't rooting for one side or the other. Well, and that brings me to the ballot design, which is something that we saw back in 2000. I remember the butterfly ballot. And then there was an issue with the design uh, this year as well. Why aren't these ballots just standard all across the country in terms of how they're designed? Well, good point. Um, elections are run in America at the local level, not just at the state level, but at the local level. So you have every county designing its own ballots because they're local races as well as statewide races on the ballot. Unfortunately, you can't have a perfect election. Uh, it's a human process and we're humans. We're imperfect. So uh, we cannot inoculate ourselves from a bad ballot design. And, and it's, it's terrible because it means that voters sort of overlooked a race that you presume that they wanted to vote for. But um, Do you think that's by design though? Do you think that those ballots were designed to be complicated so that people would leave off one of the races? No. I think that's an example of um, just administrative error. It, there's a, a slogan in the election law world, don't assume evil when it could be incompetence at work. Uh -huh. So I think uh, I would attribute that to to human failures. Yeah. Uh, what about the fact that uh, many of these counties and these counties that we all know so well now, Broward County and Palm Beach County, that it takes them so much longer to count the votes than anywhere else in the country? Well, no, I'm not sure that's true. I mean, I think uh, we're used to or we were conditioned in the 20th century to think that we would get results on election night. We've put in reforms since 2000 that are good reforms, but they have the collateral consequence of delaying the process. So we have provisional ballots which cannot be counted on election night because of their provisional nature. You have to review them to see if they're eligible. And now we rely so much more on absentee ballots than we used to. As long as they're postmarked by election day, they're eligible to be counted. Some states out west, like Washington and California, will count them up to 10 days or two weeks after election day. We saw the Arizona race this year um, change from election night uh, result to the eventual winner being of the opposite party because of having to count uh, mail-in votes. So these are two important reforms, but they have the consequence that we, in a close race, we, we're not going to know the answer on election night. So what needs to be done? What would your one piece of advice to, let's say, the state of Florida be at this point about how to get things ready for 2020? 
come up with an institution that both sides can trust, particularly for the counting process. Most democracies around the world have moved to nonpartisan election administration. So Britain and Canada and Australia, you know, other countries that we share our legal heritage from, you know, coming from Britain, they want to take partisanship out of the voting process. We allow partisans to run the system both in the front end of the process and at the back end. And this is particularly problematic at the back end when you have a close election and you want to be able to trust the institution that counts the votes. How damaging is it when somebody who is running for office or even, in this case, the president of the United States, when they look at what's happening and they say there's fraud, people are changing votes, they're finding votes that shouldn't exist, that kind of thing. How damaging is that for elections in general? Well, this is the aspect of what happened this year that worries me the most for thinking about 2020. Um, I thought that the rhetoric very quickly got very overheated um, disproportionate to what was happening on the ground. Um, I mean, this, these races in Florida were close, but they were still 10,000 votes apart, not 100 votes or 1,000 votes. And there wasn't evidence in existence that, which suggests that the system was rigged or being stolen. And so the rhetoric jumped to conclusions that were you know, out of proportion to the re reality in a way that we didn't even see back in 2000. And that's not a good situation when when both sides want to win a race. So if we had a repeat of that in, in 2020, that would be a dicey situation. That's Edward Foley, who is the director of the election law program at Moritz College of Law at Ohio State University. Professor, thank you. Thank you.